Kia ora, ko Tim Toku Ingoa. Hello, my name is Tim. Um, I hope there's nobody else here who really speaks Te Reo Māori because my, um, my Māori isn't very good, but I think I'm on relatively safe ground. Thanks so much for your welcome. Delighted to be here. My wife Liz and I used to live in, uh, in Gloucester and we see Gloucester as a home in the UK, even though we used to have parents and siblings living here and they've all since left for un unexplainable reasons. Um, uh, but we do don't have blood family here, but we do have church family here, which is you. And some of you uh, we don't know. And uh, that's great sign of a church growing and changing over the years. And some are old timers who we do know and love to see you all. We're based in New Zealand, as Trish said, um, not that far away, just two short 12 hour flights back to back. And uh, we work in student mission, university student mission, with your support of prayers and finance and encouragement. We together reach students for Christ and change students for life of every nationality. And it's been interesting times in the last few years, uh, which we'll have some stories over lunch about that. But right now we're going to look at this Christmas story as part of your Christmas series of Light in the Darkness. Following on from Graham, two weeks ago in Isaiah 9, uh, the same verses that was mentioned in that little video. And last week, uh, Graham also took us into the story of the wise, uh, the wise men. The poet who was on the screen um, shortly, uh, recently, is, is called Glenn. He's an Australian uh, who's moved from Australia to the UK a number of years ago. And we've gone the other way from the UK to New Zealand, and we've got used to the longest days of the year being at Christmas. Unlike Glenn, our Christmas isn't about, as he put it, munching on mangoes. New Zealand is too cold to grow mangoes, unlike Australia. But we do have, at this time of year, so many strawberries coming out of the garden and blueberries and cherries. Our cherry tree was just about to have peak production when we left uh, two weeks ago. So the person who's house sitting for us has told us he has enjoyed our entire cherry crop. Cherries are one of my favorite fruits and he's had all the cherries this Christmas. Uh, so good on him. So let me ask you a question that Glenn in the video gave um, uh, when he was reflecting on some of his own Australian culture of Christmas growing up. Uh, what about us? If you could use, and this is not rhetorical, if you could use two words, two words to describe Christmas, what two words would you use? Maybe winter wonderland, roast lunch, roaring fire, yummy food. In terms of the culture of the land in which we are, how would you use two words to describe Christmas? Pies. Mince pies are good two words. Thank you, sir. Any other two words for Christmas? Stressful cozy, also two good words, thank you. Family time, yes indeed. Brussels sprouts. Uh, we might not be in agreement with this, I praise the Lord for Brussels sprouts. I haven't had Brussels sprouts since our winter. We have lots of Brussels sprouts in July and August when they grow. Um, and so now I'm looking forward to having some in at Christmas time, how strange. Okay, any two words from behind me? Doesn't have to be. The two words that I'm thinking of, uh, nobody has mentioned. The two words I'm thinking of about Christmas are the beach. Nowhere in New Zealand is more than one hour's drive away from the beach, being a long, skinny country. And because Christmas falls in the summertime, um, beach is used a lot. Now, the beach might not be what's in your mind's eye associated with Christmas. It is always associated with Christmas in New Zealand. In New Zealand, lots of people go to the beach, and it might be hot and sunny, like Glen, Australia, but it might be very cold with big jackets. 
Um, New Zealand's weather is more variable than the weather here in the UK, which took a little bit of getting used to. But when I say the beach has the two words I'm thinking of about Christmas, I'm not talking about that generically. I mean, the beach. Have I, uh, oh, Jake, can you press, press the next one? Thanks. That is the beach. Some here may have been to New Zealand, may even have been to this beach. Uh, trivia question, do you know where this is? It's a hard question. It is New Zealand. Very good, Abby. This, that's right. This is Ohibe, Ohibe uh, in an area called the Bay of Islands uh, in the north of the country. And um, it was at that spot, that very spot. And there's a, there's a monument, uh, there's a cross monument there marking the spot on Christmas Day, 208 years ago in 1814, that the good news about Jesus was first proclaimed in New Zealand. It's quite unusual, I think, to live in a country where you can point to the place and time where the first message of Jesus ever arrived. But that can be done in New Zealand, being a young country. Samuel Marsden was the preacher, originally from Leeds. Uh, Marsden was living and working in Sydney as a prison chaplain. And he got to know two men who were instrumental in him going to New Zealand. Those two men were called Tapahi and Ruatara. Uh, and Tapahi and Ruatari uh, were two Maori men who were in Sydney for trade. They got to know Marsden uh, and they heard the good news about Jesus himself. And they impressed upon Marsden how that was so essential for their people back in New Zealand to hear this good news. And that was the setting for Marsden and the first missionaries to arrive in New Zealand, Christmas Day at that place. If you do have a Bible, have Luke 2 uh, open in paper or on a, on a screen. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks to Ruth and Pippa for reading our passage. We're going to be in the very same text that Marsden used at that place on Christmas Day, 1814, the day that the church in New Zealand began. Let's pray, then we'll look at Luke 2 together. Thank you, God, our Father, that the good news about Jesus is for all people, and it brings joy. Help us who know and love you to speak of you and live for you in this Christmas season so that more people get to meet you. Right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit teaches us in Luke all about Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So we looked at two words to describe Christmas, and we have four lots of two words. Fear not, good news, great joy in all people. So, Jake, first one is fear not. Thank you. Fear not. So we're going to spend most of our time in this little couplet. Fear not. See that in verse 10? In verse 10. It's fear not. Now, shepherd is quite a common occupation in New Zealand. Although the sheep numbers have uh, gone way down over many years, there are still many, many sheep in New Zealand. If you visit sheep and if you visit New Zealand and don't see sheep, you've done it wrong. And uh, listen, I know lots of people who work as a shepherd, um, either for many, many years or as a gap year after school, perhaps. And we've learned a lot. Uh, there's a lot to learn about sheep from shepherds. And here in verse 10, there are a bunch of shepherds, albeit doing their job in quite a different way to how 21st century Kiwi shepherds do it. And these shepherds back then, they're, they're, they're disturbed. Um, they're disturbed. And verse 9 tells us that there is a singular angel, uh, a one angel, and that the glory of the Lord shone around as a result of the visit of the angel, and they were terrified. Whenever angels show up in the Bible, as we helpfully saw in the Lego video, Whenever angels show up in the Bible, solo or in groups, fear is the most common response. 
And here again, we see in verse nine, this angel evokes fear before he speaks. And the fear is from the brilliance shining around. It's the light, not the darkness that scares them. And I find that fascinating. It's the light, not the darkness that terrifies them. Because for most of us, darkness is what scares us. Several years ago, where we live, the area we live in New Zealand had a number of earthquakes, uh, quite a few thousand over a few uh, few months. And it all started with no warning because we were living in the area that was never going to have a big earthquake. <laughs> um, yet it did. It sudden, suddenly started at 3 a.m. one September uh, morning. And across our region, everybody woke up 3 a.m. Everybody was scared. Uh, and the earthquakes immediately cut the power. And uh, so there was no light in any house. There was no street light. There was no light anywhere. And at 3 a.m., cloudy night, it's pitch black, and your whole house was moving around. Very, very scary. So many were scared in the darkness of those days. And even now, people, uh, most people we know, Susanna does this really well. We're traveling around the country, and she insists on having a torch underneath her pillow in case there's an earthquake in the middle of the night. And I've tried to say, less likely in Gloucester, um, <laughs> But it's always good to be prepared. Always good to be prepared. Yet here in Luke 2, the shepherds are scared not of darkness, but they're scared of the light. Christmas in the summer, um, in the light of summer, it does seem strange. It's not just because I'm from the UK and I find it odd that for several weeks at this time of year, I go to bed and it's light and I wake up and it's light. And that the Christmas lights, if you want to see Christmas lights, you basically have to stay up till midnight because... Otherwise, it's not dark enough to see anything. And I find that odd. It's, it's not just culturally odd, because as Glenn in the video said, Christmas is about the darkness, a dark world that Jesus enters bringing brilliant light. And that light can be confronting, because it's not just the bright light, but if you see that in verse 9, we read that the glory of the Lord is what they saw. And the glory of the Lord was everywhere. Whenever God gets close, he shows you that you are not God. And we see that in Luke 2. The shepherds are beyond scared. They're terrified. So the very first thing the angel says in verse 10 is, fear not. Many, many years before this instance in Luke 2, many years before, Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were content and they were happy because they were made to live with God. But one day they chose to disobey God, and then they became scared of God. Every day they've been fine with the glory of the Lord, and then they became afraid. Everything changed. They bought into our own culture that says, as a human, you have to be in charge of your own life. You have to take responsibility for your actions. Only you can say what is right or wrong for you. You have to be your own boss. Adam and Eve became their own boss. They became their own gods. Yet compared to the God, they came up short. Preacher Tim Keller illustrates this by saying that it's like being in a job for which you're unqualified and inexperienced. It makes you defense, defensive and anxious that someone better will be employed alongside you. And if such a person does arrive, the way they can do the job with so much ease and effortlessly it, it scares you you realize you're an imposter and the shepherds of luke 2 
are imposters. Adam and Eve are imposters. We are imposters. We want to run our own lives and make our own decisions. So when the glory of the Lord shines around them, being gods of their own life, the shepherds are terrified. They're confronted by the light of the true God. And God is about to bring the shepherds amazing news and he wants them to draw near. Yet the first thing he does is makes them afraid by shining the light around. What about us? If you're not a Christian, do you realize that God is not just the cute baby in the manger, but God is scary. It's like the time, the, the, the line in the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, when Lucy hears about Aslan, the lion, and she says, the lion, is, is he safe? She asks, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. Uh, our family are part of uh, a small church plant called Springs Community Church. Each week, one of the things we try and do is memorize a Bible verse that helps with the passage of the day. So we thought we'd try and do that today. So, um, Trish, I wonder if you can... Um, if you'd rather not have a piece of paper, then tell Trish, but a piece of paper. And once you have a piece of paper, come and stand up here. And we're going to try and align ourselves into this verse. It's a very short verse. It's only got three words in it, plus a reference, uh, but it's in English and Māori. So we're going to try and do a bilingual Bible memorization here. Um, so once you have your piece of paper, come and stand up here. If you think you got the first English word, stand on uh, the left of the room. And if you think you have the last Māori word, stand on the uh, right of the room. So... My willing volunteers like to stand up and see if you can arrange yourself amongst yourselves to see. It's probably easy if you've got an English word, actually. But uh, I'll try and help those that have got Māori words because that's a bit harder. So we're probably actually going to have English on this side and Māori on this side. That's, that's definitely English. So we're working this out. What have we got? We've got... See, it's harder over here. So we've got... What have we got? God is. God is light. One John one five. Very good. So slightly over here. If I give you a hand. Oh. Ah, well, let me. This is this is excellent point. So the word that looks like the word he, but actually in Tereo Mari, that's the word hey. So you're good, sir. You're going to come over here to this side. Thanks, Evan. So this is all very good in English. Three words. God is light. 1 John 1 verse 5. And um, in, uh, in Tarao, hey marama. So hey is the first word. Hey is the first word. Well done. Good job, sir. And then marama. And marama means light. Uh, lots of girls are called marama in New Zealand. Would you know? So hey marama te atua. Te means the. And Atua is God. So God effectively is the light is God. Um, but God is light. And the reference is, um, what have we got? Uh, Tahi is, is one. Tahi Hoani. Hoani is John. Tahi one, Rima five. Tahi um, Hoani, Tahi Rima. So, um, yeah. So, Trish, you get to join in with all of us. We're all going to try and um, repeat the English, and then we're going to try and repeat the Tarao. 
So um, it's it's basically pronounced as it's written. So uh, you'll be fine. So let's go together. God is light. One John one five. Hey Marama te atua tahi hoani tahi rima. So that's excellent. Well, that's probably the best um, Mari I've ever heard in a church anywhere in Gloucester. So um, well, well done. Let's do that one more time and then we can sit down. God is light. 1 John 1, 5. He marama te atua tahi hoani tahi rima. Excellent. Well done, everybody. Congratulations. Do take a seat. God is light. God is light. The shepherds of Luke 2 were afraid of the God of light, and so should we be. But God then and God now says, fear not. Why should we not be afraid? Well, that's the remaining couplets are all about good news, great joy, all, all people. So let's go with good news. Um, thanks, Jake. This is what Marsden brought to the people at this beach on Christmas Day. In a life of bad news, disappointments, setbacks, illness, grief, sadness, the good news that Jesus is born is good news. Verse 11, a good news that a saviour, the Messiah, is born for you. Jesus coming into the world isn't just for other people. It's for you and it's for me. It's for the shepherds. It's for Maori people. And it's for you. And it's for me. Do we grasp that? Do we rejoice in that? If we do, we'll have great joy. There's a popular Christmas carol in New Zealand called Te Haranui. And Te Haranui is a Maori phrase. Uh, te meaning, as we've learned, Te meaning the, Nui meaning big, and Hari meaning happy. Te Haranui is literally the happy big, or more commonly translated as great joy. Jesus brings great joy, a far more settled state than happiness that can come and go. Get to work with university students and polytechnic students in New Zealand, many of whom are age 18 to 30. And the biggest cause of death in the age group, by a long shot, is suicide. It's rare for anybody in New Zealand who's studying between the ages of 18 and 30 not to know somebody who's taken their own life. Very, very sad. And sadly, the teen suicide rate in New Zealand is the highest in the Western world. And it's very hard to work out why or how to solve that. But part of the answer lies in how little joy there is for people in New Zealand in that age bracket. With low wages, rising inflation, some of the most expensive housing relative to income in the world. Yet Jesus is such good news that brings joy. And it's not just for young people in New Zealand. This is good news in verse 10 for all people. Good news, great joy, all people. Young and old, Maori and European, English, and even the French and the Argentinians. Football lovers and those that don't love football. Male and female, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, extrovert and introvert, confident and shy, labor and conservative. All people. This is one of the aspects of the gospel that holds me tight. I am so encouraged being in different situations where the only thing I have in common with other people is Jesus. And Jesus is way more than enough. It was this belief that the good news of great joy was for all people that led Tapahi and Ruatara to invite Marsden 
to preach to their people. They understood that the good news of great joy was for Mari too, and it is. Verse 12 in Luke 2 talks of a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Very unimpressive, very ordinary. Yet verse 13, the angel is joined by a great company of the heavenly host, and together they all praise God. They know that this baby is no ordinary baby. They know that this is God come down. As we sang together earlier, this is the true son of God who bears human feature. He entered earth to reverse Adam's fall. The point of Jesus coming to earth is to bring the light that no longer makes us afraid. In our place, Jesus was sacrificed for your sin and for my sin. Jesus was born to die for us. That's the good news. That's what brings great joy. That's what's for all the people. That's why we don't have to be afraid. As Glenn in that wee video said, it's Christmas now, whatever the weather. Some soak in the sun, some huddle together. But fair days or foul, our plight he embraces. Real Christmas shines in the dark, darkest of places. In verse 15 of Luke 2, the shepherds went to see if what they'd heard was actually true. What about you and what about me? If, are you here because a friend brought you and you're not really sure about this Jesus stuff? Look into it more closely. Ask any question you like. Be like the shepherds. Maybe you've been a Christian for decades and the Christmas story is so familiar to you. Look into it more closely. Ask any question you like. Be like the shepherds. Let's pray together.